Good morning. I don't look like I've been pastoring for 30 years, do I? <laughs> well, it's good to be with you this morning, and uh, really, uh, it's been my privilege personally to get a chance to mentor, to come alongside your pastors, Carlos and Ilston, and uh, their beautiful daughter, Charlie Joy. Uh, it's just really, uh, they've ministered more to me, I think, than I've given to them but I thank God for them and thank God for the privilege. One of the things that we are doing in our district, uh, I planted in 1991. So uh, one of the wonderful things that we're doing in our district now that's new and fresh, and let me say that in terms of, in regards to our planting, Jared Roth uh, was working in the district office with Cliff Haynes when we planted our church uh, almost 30 plus years ago. And uh, so I know that he was a part of this tribe, and uh, just thank God for Jared and both Ann, and we're still standing. <laughs> but uh, I do want to say about your pastors, uh, it's just a joy, and it's a privilege uh, to come alongside them, to partner with them, to encourage them. And uh, as I was saying, you know, just thinking about uh, almost 30 years ago, uh, one of the things that they are enjoying uh, my wife and I didn't have that privilege at that time, not that uh, anything was wrong. Uh, we just didn't have uh, a cohort in place where uh, new pastors, young pastors can come and just be a part and grow and uh, be mentored and encouraged. And so uh, I have that opportunity and I have that privilege and I want to say thank you. I also, uh, my wife sends her love as well. She's ministering in our church this morning. Uh, we've been married now for 37 years, and thank God for her. We have two children. Uh, I have a 31-year-old son, George Jr., and uh, I have a 27-year-old daughter. And for those of you who are military, uh, she's serving in the Space Force, and uh, thank God for her. Amen. Uh, and also, we have a beautiful granddaughter. And I said in the other service, uh, how many of you have grandchildren? Uh, you didn't tell me this. You, you didn't tell me this part of the story. Uh, boy, there's something about having grandkids. And for her, uh, her name's Maya, and she has, she calls me Poppy, and so she has me wrapped around her finger. Uh, uh, but uh, good to be with you. And uh, this morning, we're going to look at this theme, the emotions of Jesus. And how many of you uh, would say yourselves that, and specifically we're going to talk about anger this morning, and maybe it's just me, but how many of you, maybe there's three people on this side, have ever dealt with anger? <laughs> okay, let me see on this side, okay? What about here in the middle? I know at least two. Okay, I see you. And then over here, okay? So isn't it interesting as we talk about this theme and uh, this really resonates with me because in our own church, uh, we have been doing a series as well, uh, the last seven sayings of Jesus from the cross. And one of the words that Jesus spoke was a word of anguish, and we're going to look at that in just a moment as we get into the text. But it's interesting, uh, you've already talked about grief, you've already talked about joy, uh, I think compassion is coming up, and today, as I said, we're going to focus on anger. But isn't it interesting to see the emotions that Jesus himself worked through? 
He was fully God, but the scripture says in the book of Philippians, he was also fully man. And the word is the word kenosis. It's a Greek word, meaning that he was all God, but yet he was all man. And in his humanity, just like you and I, he just dealt with things. And how many of you would just, again, be honest with me and say, life causes you to deal with stuff? <laughs> it does, doesn't it? And it comes in so many forms. It comes in so many shapes. It comes in so many ways. And sometimes we're prepared for it, uh, but other times we're not prepared for it. And it kind of catches us off guard. And somehow, some way, deep within, you know, just that whole emotional thing. Uh, have you ever had a situation where, or a circumstance where you thought something was kind of dealt with and it was over and, and uh, you know, you kind of buried it and didn't have to worry about it no more? Then all of a sudden, that ugly thing, let me get a drink of water, that ugly thing raises its head. And it makes itself known again. Have you ever had that experience? You just, you know, the Lord healed you of it. The Lord delivered you of it. And, you know, you were going on about your life. And then all of a sudden, a circumstance come up. Sometimes a person comes up or a thing comes up and that emotion rises again. Yeah. Well, this morning when we look at the life of Jesus, one of the things I love about him is that he is an awesome example, isn't he? He's an amazing role model. He did things on our behalf, or he went before us to show us how we could do this. Because in and of ourselves, we're incapable. We're unable to do this, but we thank God for Jesus. So let's look in our text this morning. We're going to look at this word, anger. And uh, there are four, four principles that I want to just share with you this morning towards the end of our message as we look at this. And how Jesus himself, how Jesus was able to uh, not only be our, our example in just being Jesus, but being our example in how he controlled his emotions specifically when it came to anger. Because this is what anger will do. Well, I'll speak for myself. Anger sometimes makes me out of control. You know, you, you understand what I'm saying? And it's not so much the physical things that I do. But it's the things that I think. Yeah. It's the way that I feel. Sometimes it's the way that I look at people. And in 30 years of pastoring, I've just had all kinds of emotions. I've had the highs and the lows. But this is what I'm learning about myself, and this is what I've learned about myself. You know, people ask me, what are the highs? What are the lows in pastoring? I tell you what, I've learned the good, the bad, and the ugly about George. Yeah. And how many of you know in walking in faith with Jesus, you begin to learn more about yourself? Sometimes we want it to be about other people, but when we really get along with Jesus, you know, just kind of heart to heart and be honest, what will he do? He'll show you him yourself, won't he? Yeah. But he does it in a way that's healing, and he does it in a way that's loving. And he does it in a way where it's not condemning and judgmental, but he loves us so much. Somebody said this, he's more interested in our character than he is in our circumstances. Yeah. 
Jesus is more interested in who he wants me to be and to become than he is in the circumstances. But he uses circumstances, doesn't he, to get us to that place. So let's look at this text this morning uh, out of Mark chapter 3. And we're going to read just uh, beginning at verse 1. The Bible says this, another time, talking about Jesus going into the synagogue. And often when Jesus went into the synagogue, uh, there were challenges. So the Bible says this, another time he went into the synagogue and there was a man there, depending on what translation you had, the Bible says this, he had a shriveled hand or he had a withered hand or his hand uh, was deformed. And some of them were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus. So as he went into the synagogue, the Pharisees were there, the Sadducees were there, the religious leaders were there, and they were there not in terms or in agreement with what Jesus was doing, but they were standing more on the outside like spectators. And the Bible says this about them. They were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus. So they watched him closely to see if he would heal on the Sabbath. And Jesus said to the man with the shriveled hand, stand up in front of everyone. And then Jesus asked him, which is lawful? Or he asked them, he asked those religious leaders. He says, which is lawful on the Sabbath? To do good or to do evil? To save life or to kill? And the Bible says this, but they remained silent. And you and I have been around people, you know, they're there uh, sometimes just out of suspicion. They just want to see what's going to happen. That doesn't happen in this church, but in our church, <laughs> there are those sometimes who are just trying to feel me out. You're not even doing that today. You already, I'm your brother from another mother, okay? We're family, all right? I'm, I'm not only a part of Foursquare, I'm a part of Evergreen. Okay, I'm not only a part of Evergreen, but I'm a part of the body of Christ. Okay, so you're not spectating, right? You're in this with me. Say, so I'm in with you, George. Okay. So it was those others. Say the others. It was not us. It was the others who were standing around and just kind of spectating to see what Jesus was going to do. So he asked them the question, is it okay? Is it lawful? Is it right? Is it within your rules that I could heal on this particular day? And the Bible says this, they remained silent, obviously, because they opposed what was getting ready to happen. So this is what the word says. Jesus looked at them in anger. Get that. Why would Jesus be angry? We're going to look at that, okay? And just kind of pull some thoughts from that. But the Bible says he looked at them in anger and he was deeply distressed at their stubborn hearts. And so he said to the man, he said to the man with the withered hand, he said, stretch out your hand. And the Bible says he stretched it out and his hand was completely restored. Somebody say, hmm. Because those others that was there spectating, they were not in favor of the miracle of this man being healed. They were not interested in who this man was and what Jesus was getting ready to do. They were more concerned about their rules, their laws, their kind of legalistic thinking. And I thank God that Jesus loves us enough 
that he overrides my thinking. Come on, somebody. He overrides my feelings. He overrides my emotions to accomplish his purpose. And that's what happens here. So the Bible says this. He stretched out his hand. He was completely restored. Then the Pharisees went out and they began to plot with the Herodians of how they might kill Jesus. So this idea, this series that you're in having to do with the emotions of Jesus and specifically as it relates to anger, you've already dealt with grief and joy. Well, this resonates deeply with me because in our own church, we're doing a series ourselves on the last seven sayings of Jesus. And it's just interesting how this uh, coincides and how even being here with you today, because I've been reading a lot myself just about Jesus hanging on the cross and all of the things that he dealt with. Well, think about the physical, the psychological, the physiological abuse that Jesus encountered during this time that he was getting ready to go to the cross. So this idea surrounding his emotions is really real because it's in these moments as we see him not only on the cross, but as he gets ready to go to the cross, we see his emotional state. Get this, you guys. The Bible says he was beaten. He was spit upon. He was kicked. They took a crown of thorns. They placed it on his head, and they didn't just gently place it on his head. The Bible says this. When they placed it on his head, history says this, that they would take uh, 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 literally a stick and beat it on his head until blood runs down. So this is before he gets to the cross. Can you imagine the emotions that Jesus was experiencing prior to going to the cross? And then once he gets on the cross... He really experiences some things, but this is what the Bible says, and you know this. In uh, Luke chapter 22 and verse 44, the Bible says this. This translation says, it uses this word. Being in anguish, he prayed more fervently or he prayed more intensely, and sweat became like drops of blood falling to the ground. In other words, this word anguish, talking about his emotions, this word anguish means angst. It means anxiety. It means agony. Obviously, he was suffering extreme pain, and he was under distress. So when we think about this idea of blood, like uh, rather sweat-like drops of blood that was falling, for those of you who are in here who are medical people, it's the word hematohydrosis. And this is what it means. It means bloody sweat. Jesus was under such emotional stress that the sweat looked like drops of blood that came from his capillaries. And, and uh, medically, it says this. It's where the capillaries burst open. And this is the kind of emotional stress that Jesus was under. So when we talk about the emotions of Jesus... Sometimes, you know, we, we, we want to look at, and he is a good Jesus, isn't he? But, but sometimes we want to keep him in that place. You know, uh, I said to our church, we have to be careful. Uh, that's why we're doing this series, and I'm, I'm doing the gory details of what took place. You know, when, when, when they took the cat of nine tails and they ripped open his back, 
And uh, then they laid him on a stony ground with his back ripped open. Then they had to pick him up. Then they put a purple robe on his back. His back's already ripped open. And then they take the robe off his back. Then they lay him on a wooden cross. And they nail him in his hands. And they put nails in his feet. Those are the gory details. Well, can you imagine all of the emotions that Jesus was going through? The pain, the agony, the stress. Even when his parents, remember when his mom was at the foot of the cross and, and his best friend John was at the foot of the cross. All of these emotions, he looks down and he sees his mother and he says, woman, behold your son. And he says to John, John, behold your mother. But he said this, for this reason, for this cause, and for this purpose I came. So there was nothing that would stop him from looking into 2000, March 26, 2023. Come on, somebody. And he saw you and I as he hung from that cross. He was willing to pay the price physically, mentally, emotionally, relationally. What, whatever he had to do, he was willing to pay that price. And he did because he loved us. So when we talk about the emotions of Jesus, history says this. The Bible says this in Matthew chapter 27 and 46 while he's hanging on the cross. Again, we want to, maybe I'm just speaking to myself, but sometimes I'm guilty of just seeing Jesus hanging there. You know, uh, there are those who still wear the cross around their neck. I don't know why, but uh, say this to them, Jesus is no longer on the cross. But anyway, that's another subject. <laughs> but, but here's the idea. The Bible says this. That as Jesus was hanging from that cross in anguish, of all the seven words, this is the word that he shouted the loudest. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Can you imagine the emotions? He felt as if his father had forsaken him. One of his emotions, and so we're to look at this, but the Bible says this, in Matthew, uh, rather in Hebrews chapter 4, in verse 15, this is the amplified version. It says, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to understand and sympathize and, if you will, have a shared feeling with our weaknesses and our infirmities. It goes on to say that he was tempted in every way that you and I have been tempted. He's dealt with emotions every way that you and I would deal with emotions. And this is what the scripture says about him. He didn't sin. Isn't it good to know that he's our example? Let me make it personal. When I'm tripping, if you will, and you don't do that, okay? Let me tell these people. When I'm tripping, when I'm going through my stuff, Jesus is my example of how to get through it. And I love that about him because that's who he is. He was tempted in every way. So when we talk about anger, according to scripture, anger is a common uh, 
human emotion. And it's one that's difficult at times. I can't speak for you, but sometimes for me, it's hard to manage. Trying to find that balance. Three people know what I'm talking about. <laughs> because it's real, isn't it? It just comes up. It doesn't just show up. It's, it, it has to do with something that's going on. But more than that, it has to do something that's deeper within me. And I thank God for my wife, and I thank God for my children, and I thank God for family, and I thank God for community, because it's in community that we learn about ourselves, don't we? We, we, we grow, and we become the people that he wants us to be. Talking about anger also, not all anger is sin. Ephesians 4.26 says this, in your anger, do not sin. It says, don't let the sun go down while you are still angry. But anger can do this. It can result in a sinful attitude. There are two Greek words for the word anger that's used in scripture, specifically in the New Testament. One is the word, it's, it's, it's passion and it's energy but on the other hand, it's agitation, and it could cause us to boil, simmer. Come on, somebody. The scriptures are clear about Jesus being familiar with anger. Another word for anger that you'll find, depending on what translation you read, has to do with righteous indignation. And what is righteous indignation? It's a feeling or it's an emotion characterized by or expressing strong displeasure at something considered unjust, offensive, insulting, or corrupt. And, and get this, keep it in mind, what righteous indignation is versus real anger. And Jesus was in this place in the synagogue. And when he looked around, when the scripture says he looked around and he saw them in anger, it wasn't that kind of anger, you know, that set him off just because of their religious kinds of thoughts and their religious kinds of thinking. It was the kind of anger because something unjust and something offensive was taking place. They were looking at this man, you know, again, in, with, with, with eyes based on the law, kind of in condemnation. It was almost as if, what is he doing here? And then Jesus comes in, he recognizes him, and immediately he deals with it. So in our text in Mark 3, you've read the scripture. There are other instances in the Bible where Jesus displays this kind of anger. You remember in Mark chapter 10 and verse 14, Jesus is with his disciples and the families. The parents are bringing their children to touch Jesus. They wanted them to be close to Jesus. And the disciples got upset with him, with them. And Jesus says this, suffer the little children to come unto me. It's the right thing to do. The Bible says this, when he saw them, when he saw their attitude, he became indignant with them. Why? Because it was them, the disciples who had been with him for the time they had been with, they were the ones that were pushing the children away. And Jesus says, no, don't do that. He says, they are representatives of the kingdom of heaven. And then there's another instance where one that you and I are very familiar with. Remember when he went into the temple in Mark, and rather in Matthew chapter 21, he goes in and he cleanses the temple. He turns over the tables. Jesus is 
upset. He is frustrated about what's going on. Why? Because they were abusing what was God's. Nothing wrong with selling, nothing wrong with doing some things in the temple, but their motive for doing what they were doing, the Bible says that it caused Jesus to become indignant, if you will. But it was righteous indignation. Why? Because he cared about the things that were holy and the things that were pure. He cared about the children. So when we look at this text in Mark chapter 3, again, he sees these religious leaders in the synagogue. And they were not permitting this man with the withered hand to get what was rightfully his. They were more concerned about who they were and what they represented as opposed to who he was and what he represented. In other words, this, this, this man with the withered hand didn't have a rightful place in the synagogue or in the temple. And specifically, get this, guys, this is on the Sabbath. So what if you came here today with a need? And I know my brother and I know my sister, they aren't like this at all. But what if the, what if the Gomez says, well, today we can't heal. Today we can't make room for healing. This is the Sabbath day. This day is holy. But I, but I have a need, Pastor. You come to the law. But I have a need. Yeah, yeah, I understand that. But that's not what this, is, this day is about. Well, this is kind of what was going on here. They were more concerned about the law and the rules of the temple or the church than they were about the people. And how many of you know Jesus loves people? Jesus is the real people person. And that's who you and I are becoming. I thank God for times like these where transformation can take place, where we can make room to grow. And I believe this at the end of our service today. There might be an opportunity just for us to grow. And when I say that, I want to come down here and be right here with you. Why? Because I'm growing in this process as well. So there's four things I want to close with, and then we're going to take some time and pray. Because, say this with me, this reality about anger is real, isn't it? And sometimes it could be one of those suppressed kind of things. It could be one of those things that within, that's within that every now and then it pops up. It just kind of, you know, something triggers it. And Jesus shows us how we could deal with that kind of anger. So in this text, in Mark uh, chapter 3, Jesus just kind of deals with some things, okay? But I want to share four things with you as I conclude, just four insights, four principles that I believe that can help us in this process as we look at Jesus being our role model in regards to anger. First of all, when Jesus dealt with anger and when Jesus experienced anger, his anger always had the proper motivation. The proper motivation suggesting that he was angry for the right reasons. And I'm guilty of being angry for the wrong reasons.
But Jesus, when I look at him and I look at this text, look at the right reason. He wasn't upset with the Pharisees because of who they were and their statue and their place in the temple. He was upset with them. The Bible says why? Because they had a stubborn heart. And that's enough to get angry about, isn't it? Because all of us have had stubborn hearts, haven't we? Well, let me talk to three people. Okay. But here, here he was angry. You know, it wasn't the petty stuff. It wasn't the personal stuff with him. It wasn't even about selfishness with him. And this is what we can learn from Jesus, his motive and his motivation. Lay hands on yourself and say, Lord, help my motive. Come on and help my motivations. When it comes to anger, here's the second thing. His anger had the proper focus. Get this, Jesus wasn't mad or angry at God or at the weaknesses of others, but his anger always targeted sinful behavior and true injustice. And this is what was going on in the synagogue at this point. There was just some injustice going on. So Jesus wasn't mad, about, mad at God and he wasn't mad at them. He was looking at the bigger picture. So therefore, he had the proper focus. And then here's the third thing. His anger had the proper supplement. There was something that supplemented it. And that's found in our text in Mark chapter 3 and verse 5. It says this, that his anger was attended by grief over the Pharisees' lack of faith. There was something that the Pharisees and the Sadducees were missing. So Jesus' anger stemmed from love for them and concern for their spiritual condition. It had nothing to do with hatred or ill will. And then here's the last thing, and I'm going to ask one of our musicians to come. I want to just take a moment, and we're going to pray. Here's the last thing. Number four, his anger had the proper result. In other words, Jesus' anger had the inevitable consequence of godly action. His anger, as it was with all of his emotions, was always held in check by the word of God. Jesus' response was always to accomplish the will of God. Jesus always saw the bigger picture. If not, I'll focus on the Pharisees and I'll focus on their stubborn heart and I'll focus on their attitude and I'll focus on all of that. Jesus saw a bigger picture. He saw the man that was in the synagogue who needed to be healed and he didn't let rules or regulations or law stop him from doing what he was purposed to do. Well, this morning, as we close our time in prayer, I want you to make it personal because I'm going to make it personal. And there might be something in us. You know, when we think about this emotion of anger as it relates to Jesus, what about our own emotions with anger? I'm married like many of you are married. And there are times when I want the focus to be my wife, or I want the focus to be my children, 
or for your wife, you might want the focus to be your husband. It might be the job. It might be the church. It might be whatever. Here's the thing. Let's look at our motivation. And let's look at it from a perspective that Jesus looked at it. Jesus prayed this prayer. Remember when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane in Luke chapter 22? It was almost as if he was praying a prayer. It sounded like anger. And Jesus said this, Father, let this cup pass. I mean, why am I going through this? What is this really all about? Because he was in that moment of anguish. But then he said this, Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. I want to ask you to stand with me. We're going to close our time, but I want, I want you to just take a personal moment, would you? And would you do this with me? Let's, let's just be honest before the Lord. Let's just put our hands out before the Lord and let's just bring him our stuff, whatever that might be. It might be anger. But it may well be something else. Here's the good thing. That he's here this morning. He knows our name. <laughs> and he knows our hearts. And he is the God who heals. He's the God who restores, who reconciles. He's the God who brings us back to himself. And in bringing us back to himself, this is what he'll do. Look at me for just a moment because the cross is not just horizontal, but the cross is vertical, isn't it? So we have a relationship with God, but we also have a relationship with one another. Let's pray. Would you just, just, just hold your hands out and, and to the best of your ability... Let's just bring our stuff and put it in our hands and then let's put it in his hands. Father, thank you so much that we live in a real world and we experience real and we deal with real circumstances and situations. And, and sometimes life, Lord, as we are looking at this, this focus on anger, uh, sometimes life or just situation, circumstances, just causes us. It raises up anger in us. And it's not always righteous indignation. Lord, it's an emotion sometimes that causes us to be agitated and to even boil. But we thank you, Jesus, that you're our example. You said that you sympathize, that you understand that you went through all of these things and you didn't sin because you're the perfect God. But we thank you that even though we do, we fall short. We miss the mark. We thank you that you love us enough. And I pray today with my family as I bring my own things and stuff and anger before you. And I thank you that you are a loving, healing, forgiven God. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, all across this room, I pray today, we pray today. Come on, let's pray for one another, that our brothers and our sisters, that we as a family 
can be redeemed, restored, and healed by the power and the blood of Jesus. Thank you for being our example of how to deal with anger. Help my motivations. Help me to know that I'm supplemented by you through your word that I am able to do this because of the price that you accomplished on Calvary. I thank you and I bless you. I want to ask one more thing. I want to just, would you, would you just put your hand around the area of your heart? Um, let me say this to you, and you know who you are. Anger can be a stronghold. And it's desires to take you out, to always make you feel condemned and judged and frustrated and bitter and all that kind of stuff. But as we lay our hands on our hearts this morning, would you, with me, whoever you may be, let's let Jesus deal with our heart. And Father, we thank you today that we will not be bound by an angry spirit, but we'll be people of peace and people of joy and people of love. And I pray today, and I, I speak this for myself, that you'll do something new and fresh in our hearts. And in doing so, we give you permission. And we bless you and we thank you in Jesus' name. And if you agree, would you just tell the Lord with your own words, tell him thank you, would you? Thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness. Thank you for your love in Jesus' name.